Okay, hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Today is the 19th of January, 2023, and it's our CT Is Us quiz. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Every Wednesday, I quiz the faculty. We, 12 to 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we have about 50 people, and I quiz our faculty members across a range of topics. And these are some of the cases, pieces of the cases, just a couple images of what I showed them yesterday. I think Lily always wants me to have a contest. Maybe we'll have a contest where people can, can write in why we should invite them to join our conference. We'll pick the best winner, but not today. Okay, patient with right lower quadrant pain. What you can see from these axial images, there's a soft tissue mass about four centimeters in the right lower quadrant, which is shown also in the coronal views. So what do you think about? You think about a mass. Maybe it's lymphoma, big nodal mass. Uh, maybe it's coming off the colon or coming off the small bowel. Lymphoma, maybe a carcinoma. It doesn't quite look like a carcinoid. Carcinoids are typically vascular. Uh, this could be a gist tumor hanging off the small bowel or hanging off the colon. That's a good possibility as well. Uh, could this be a node? We said lymphoma, but what else could it be? Well, soft tissue masses that involve the bowel or near the bowel, maybe this is near the bowel, you could then think of things like desmoid tumors. Desmoid tumors occur in the right lower quadrant. Desmoid tumors are commonly associated with familiar polyposis like Gardner syndrome. This patient had no real history of anything, but this was a desmoid tumor, a really nice example. We've seen desmoids ranging from this size, which is relatively small, to 20 centimeters. They kind of sit adjacent to the bowel, again, simulating or looking like a bowel tumor or a mesenteric mass. Just a really nice example. And just a couple of quotes, intra-abdominal desmoid tumors, uh, their incidence varies between sporadic and polyposis related. Only 5% of sporadic desmoid tumors are intra-abdominal ones, where 80% of cases FAP related are intra-abdominal. And this prior case was uh, intra-abdominal, but the patient was not syndromic. So you never know. And again, mesenteric uh, desmoid tumors are the most common primary tumor of the mesentery. That's kind of interesting. So again, something hopefully you learned from this article by Rosa. Okay, next case. Incidental adrenal mass. There's a right adrenal mass. Now, just to let you know, I showed about six other cases before this one. I showed some unusual pheos, which weren't vascular. I showed some complicated masses that bled, which were adenomas that bled. And then I said, let me just show for our fellows and residents a classic pheo, hypervascular lesion measured 180 Hounsfield units. There really is no differential diagnosis. Well, of course, everything has a differential, but if this patient had a renal cell carcinoma that was a clear cell, clear cell can metastasize the adrenal and be very vascular but the kidneys look good. This was a classic feel. Nice case. Okay, this patient had left upper quadrant pain post-yoga. You can see this large mass which has bled. Now, one would have to admit from this case, it could be from the kidney, but it looks like it's displacing the kidney. It could be from the pancreas, it could be from the retroperitoneum, it could be from the adrenal. Now, when I was quizzing people, I had it in the adrenal section which means it has to be adrenal. What bleeds in the adrenal? Well, metastasis can bleed. Angiomyolipomas can bleed, or myelolipomas rather, can bleed. Primary adrenal cortical carcinoma can bleed. Adenomas 
can bleed. Now, you could bleed from trauma. Now, I don't know how yoga, what kind of yoga you do, but yoga is not that traumatic, right? Most trauma to the adrenal glands is the right kidney, is the right adrenal rather, and it's 3CM. This is a huge bleed, which to me meant there was something underlying in that adrenal before it bled. You go through the differential, you cannot exclude metastasis or primary tumor. The patient had no symptoms to this point. This was eventually resected. And this was, a, look at the size of that bleed. It had to be resected, obviously. But this was an adenoma. I just want to tell you that adenomas can really be aggressive looking. Sometimes you see masses, and I showed a which almost could make you think about an ACC, primary adrenal cortical carcinoma, but it's an adenoma that had prior bleeding, so it can be tricky. This is a case I showed yesterday, it's a great case. AP window, a one centimeter mass that's vascular. It could be an enhancing node. But what else could it be? What else enhances there? Castleman's disease is a thought, usually not one node or one mass. Paragangliomas, and then I showed this case, and there it is again, very nicely shown. And then I said, what if the same patient had another mass previously. There's a mass by the left carotid. It's a carotid body tumor. That's a paraganglioma sitting right between the patient's jugular, between the patient's uh, uh, internal and external carotid arteries. And you can see it better on the 3D imaging. Look at that mass, two centimeters, right between the vessels, splaying them a little bit classic carotid body tumor, and this patient had paraganglioma, had a syndrome which had multiple paragangliomas, AP window and carotid body, probably will have others as well. Just a beautiful case of carotid body tumor and paraganglioma at the AP window. And carotid body paragangliomas are the most common paragangliomas in the head and neck region, accounting for about 60% of the cases. They are challenging cases, Particularly, they often will encase the vessels, making resection almost impossible. What about this case, coffin fever? Could it be a lung cancer that's cavitated? Could it be a solid mass that's cavitated? Could it be infection? Well, then you look and what's this tubular thing here? And then you look at the soft tissue. The lesion enhances somewhat, but there's a tubular structure coming adjacent to the spine and then you follow the next image and you see it's coming from the aorta. The patient now has a big vessel coming off the aorta, which is going to this mass in the right lower lung. And you see it on the uh, volume rendered views. You see that vessel coming off, going straight to this lesion. And then what do you say it is? Mass, right lower lung, a feeding vessel. That's gonna be a sequestration. Now this extra lobar sequestrations, which are usually beneath the diaphragm, there's intralobar, and this is going to be intralobar. Extralobar is more common in kids. This patient's an adult already. Just some commonly uh, of intralobar and extralobar. Systemic blood supply. In this case of a uh, intralobar, uh, children and adults. This was an adult, more commonly on the left side than the right. Systemic arterial supply and pulmonary venous drainage. Just a very, very nice example. And again, from a presentation point of view, uh, intralobar typically are symptomatic, cough, recurring pneumonia. Often it's not thought about and it's diagnosed late. So some CT features, anomalous 
systemic feeding artery drains to the pulmonary systemic veins, and then that intralobar versus extralobar. A really nice case. This patient presented with chest pain. I showed this case yesterday. There's masses in the supraclavicular zone and the left neck, right? And But those are probably nodes. I mean, it could be a big tumor, but when you look at the image on your right, there are multiple nodes here. So I gotta be thinking, could be lymphoma, could be esophageal cancer, gastric cancer, things that drain up to nodes. There's a lot of things. I showed the chest, there was, very, there was essentially no disease in the chest, but there's a lesion in the spleen. Large spleen, a lesion, and was only an abdominal, it was only a chest CT, so we didn't have the whole spleen. But you can see here a splenic lesion in a big spleen, mass or nose, supraclavicular zone, this had to be lymphoma. Great example of B-cell lymphoma. There are some peripancreatic and periodic nodes you can see in this image. Okay, evaluate this mass. Large anterior metastinal mass in an adult. What do you think about? Thymoma, teratoma, lymphoma, the big ones. It's somewhat soft tissue density, some enhancement, calcification. Thymomas can be the best bet in an older patient. Teratomas typically have fat. Lymphomas are more lobulated. It's interesting the pleural thickening in this case nearby, but thymoma was the correct answer. This patient had hemoptysis. What you're seeing is cavitary lesion in left upper lung. You're seeing retraction. So this patient has retraction of the airways up high, marked loss of volume in the upper lung with hyperexpansion of the lower lung, and then this mass or cavitary process in the left upper lobe. So now we're dealing with an inflammatory process that's somewhat chronic, but then there's also acute infection. You're thinking right away of TB and you're thinking about sarcoidosis, two things that cause incredible lung contraction and can simulate tumor. Again, the cavitary lesion can occur, uh, aspergillomas in both sarcoid and in TB. Here it is very nicely cinematic. And this was sarcoid with aspergillosis. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. Another case, fever. You see a mass, or mass like infiltrate right up a lobe. You see thickening around the bronchi and vessels to the right up a lobe. There's some inflammation into the mesentery as well. The rest of the lung fields look pretty good. Maybe some bronchiectasis in the right base and a little increased markings. But now we got some more pictures. Mass upper lung, mediastinum, paratracheal, lots of nodes. We went through a differential of what this could be. Primary lung cancer, patient that smoked, lymphoma. But then you also got to think about infection. TB, you can think about septic emboli, but that doesn't explain the nodes or anything else. But sarcoid is such a great mimicker. Masses looks like cancer. Nodes look like cancer. Infiltrate looks like TB. Okay, sarcoidosis. Patient with abdominal pain. We come into this big cystic mass to the right of midline. There it is hanging down. So I didn't show this yesterday, I'm gonna show it next week, but it's a pancreatic mass hanging off the pancreas. Cystic with septation. Too big for an IPMN unless it's malignancy. Could be a serous cyst adenoma, but the thickened septations will be worrisome. Could be a mucinous cystic neoplasm, have septations. They're usually there in the body of the pancreas, not the head or uncinate process, but it could be. So serous cyst adenoma is a thought. 
MCN is a thought. Pseudocyst, based on history, was unlikely. Here's the septations and the thickened wall, in fact, shown better with the uh, cinematic rendering. And this was an MCN. Newsman cystic neoplasm, again, 40-ish-year-old female, body of the pancreas, septations, uh, challenged. They're all considered malignant. Some are pre-malignant. Some have low-grade dysplasia. Some have high-grade dysplasia. Some have frank malignancy. The patient was a bit young, and it was the head of the pancreas, not the body, so a bit unusual. Well, that's a bunch of really great cases. We've gone through them. I hope you got them right. I hope you enjoyed listening to them. And I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you later on. Now with that, I'm out of here.